To the cheeseheads who want it fresh and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral. This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein and a little bit of exciting news in Packer land. If you're listening to this on Friday, February 23rd, that means that yesterday Jeff Halfley was officially introduced as the defensive coordinator at Lambeau Field, had his first kind of introductory press conference, and then Matt LaFleur also spoke. So some really nice things came out of that. Obviously, I don't think anything too earth shattering or too groundbreaking, but fun to hear him kind of introduce himself, talk about what it's been like to be at Lambeau, called it the Mecca of football, you know, and said that it was nice to get to actually like dive into film because that's one of the things when you're a head coach in the college sphere is, you know, you're always being pulled in different directions. So really nice to kind of get the snippets of him talking about how great it's been to just come in and study the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. He seems really happy to be back as a coordinator and not have to do, like you said, all the head coaching type things. And I feel like there's there's only so much you can glean from these early days, right? Like I have no idea what kind of coordinator he's going to be. You know, he talked a little bit about the kind of scheme he wants to run and all that jazz. Wonderful. It's more like the energy that you mm-hmm. get. And he just seems excited and um energized to be at Lambeau I mean not everyone not everyone wants to this is not this is not everyone's like ideal job but you could tell for Jeff like this was the ultimate landing spot and that's all you can ask for when someone takes you know a a coordinator position at your organization you know for him to be like so excited to come to work every day and have it be like walking through the hallowed halls of one of the most storied franchises. And also I think it seems like him and Matt are going to have a really nice relationship, very like respected collaborative relationship. So um, I don't know, only good things, positive things out of this initial press conference. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I don't think he said anything that was like, you know, earth shattering in the sense that yeah. like he basically said four, three, three, four, nickel, whatever you're in, like you need your guys to be successful, like saying all of the right things. You know, I, I think it's going to take a bit for us to see all of that, you know, see if things look different maybe in the preseason. But yeah, it's going to be a while, but still nice to actually like have him formally inter- introduced here from Matt a little bit and just get kind of a sense that he is in the building working. Um, It'll be curious to see like as we get moving, if we th- you know, when we get into draft talk, the combine's coming up next week, of course, um, if the Packers maybe look in certain directions. But that's what we're here to talk about today, right? We're going to take a look at the defensive side of the ball since we got done grading the offensive side of the ball last week. So why don't we just get started right away with the defensive line? Let's start in the front and work our way back. Perry, what are your thoughts on the Packers D-line as it stands? Um, The D-line is so funny because... It has historically been a position group where I feel like every off season, it's always like, we need, you know, you need more help. We need more depth. We need more depth. And this is the first off season where I feel very confident about the starters on the defensive line and the depth of the defensive line, right? You have your bona fide starters in Kenny Clark, 
and Devonte Wyatt, who I think still needs to take another next step, but had a really nice end to the season. And then you have, you know, TJ Slayton and Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden kind of coming in at that depth positions. And TJ Slayton, I think, is exactly who you expect him to be in that like rotational depth piece. And both Carl Brooks, I mean, I, I, I think both those guys, you know, you don't know if they're edge D line. So I'm, I'm putting them. The Packers, yeah, like the Packers list them as defensive edge. So I'm going to talk about them as defensive edges, but really nice depth pieces, you know, like young guys who can, I think, still develop and um, made splashes in their first year as starters. So um, I, I, I mean, obviously still fill in if they, if they wanted to take someone in the draft, if they, if they wanted to add a piece, you know, you, you can always get another rotational player and, I would love to see Kenny not play, you know, 90% of snaps and keep him fresh and keep him playing even longer. Um, I know the joke is that Kenny's already played 15 years in the league. He has <laughs> year eight, but like keep him playing as long as possible is one of the best nose tackles in the league. But I feel like this line is in a really nice place for this new defensive coordinator to come in and, and do some damage with. So I actually put this as a kind of like a B plus a minus, um, from what they've done on the field and also with the kind of potential that they could get better um, next season. Yeah, B-plus is exactly where I was leaning. You know, you you see Kenny Clark, Mr. December, always continues to ascend, especially at the end of the season. Um, and then, like you said, TJ Slayton kind of has like the one role, the one job, and it's what you expect, but he is getting better at it. Devontae Wyatt has looked really good. I think Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden are both exciting, especially when you think about like Colby Wooden probably putting on a couple more pounds too. Like mm -hmm. he obviously had the quieter of the two as far as his rookie season, but both players that are gaining NFL weight, you know, now have NFL experience under their belts. Like it's a room where the arrow is pointing up for sure, but it's also a room where I wouldn't be surprised if they take another player, especially if like a Jenkins or somebody they like kind of slides, you know, even on day two with one of those premium position or one of their premium picks, just because, you know, D line is kind of always something that they're looking at. And if the Packers are really thinking of switching to a four, three, I think the guys that they have in the room are capable of doing that, but they'll for sure add some bodies in that area. Yeah. It's, it's hard to talk about them in a vacuum a little bit. I know we're going to talk about the edge rushers, but it, it's a hard to talk about them in a vacuum because the Packers utilize their edges and their defensive linemen a little bit interchangeably. I mean, you you know who you're like bona fide edge rusher. You know, like Rashawn Gary is not a defensive end, you know, but like Kenny sometimes rushes the – you know, he rushes on the interior and – um, Preston Smith can line up at, at defensive end, even though he's technically an edge rusher. And, you know, there, there's a lot of moving around, which, which is great. You know, they're versatile and, and that's just kind of the way a defensive front goes in the league right now. Um, so you have to also think about that when you're thinking about the front as a whole, it's not just the guys that we just listed. Yeah. So Looking at that, then let's kind of switch gears and talk about the guys in the the edge room. You mentioned it already. Rashawn Gary, your big one. Preston Smith, another one of your big ones. 
JJ Anagbari, unfortunately, suffered the injury, so he's likely out for most of the 2024 season. The Packers obviously spent a first-round pick last season on Lucas Van Ness, so he slots in right away as edge three. Um, and there's some depth there. I mean, there's some guys that they were developing that had nice training camps, but not really anybody that wasn't like a practice squad name throughout the 2023 season. So thoughts on that? Because I think edge is always one of those positions that, you know, the Packers could pick right at 25. They could take on day two. Like, I think edge is always a need for Green Bay. This might sound crazy, but I actually don't feel great about this room. I mean, you said it like JJ Nagbari, great player, had a really, really nice season before he got hurt. I think it's really unfortunate, this injury, but he's going to be out, like take him out of this lineup for most of the season, unless the Packers make a deep playoff push next season, which obviously we all hope that they do. You have Rashawn Gary. And that's it. Like, I think Preston Smith right now is one of the biggest question marks of whether or not he's on the 2024 roster, period, right, given his age and his contract. So right now you're looking at Rashawn Gary, period. So, and I think if nothing else, the 2023 season showed me that Rashawn Gary needs a buddy. And Rashawn Gary needs a buddy who can, like, I mean – I know I'm ignoring Lucas Van Ness, but I'm going to get there. Rashawn Gary needs a buddy who like can handle people because he, if not you double team Rashawn and, and he can't really do much. I mean, we saw a lot of those issues. Like he did not flash a ton in the second half of the season. And now to Lucas Van Ness, I mean, he came on in the second half of the season and he had a handful of really nice sacks, but he was always going to be a developmental player. He was always going to be, exactly what Rashawn was when he was drafted, which was he probably wasn't going to have his splashy season until maybe even year three, right? So your expectations of him, at least in my opinion, and I would love your thoughts on this in 2024 is better, but I'm not expecting this next season to be his breakout campaign. If it is great, but you still need help. I don't think you can go into 2024 and be like, okay, LVN, take all of Preston Smith's snaps if he's not on the roster anymore and, like, send them. We're good. You you need a third player here in this rotation because um, otherwise I don't think the edge rush is going to be at all good enough to contend with some of the better offensive lines. Like, if you're thinking about the 49ers and the Chiefs and those better defensive pass rushes that we've seen in the league – the Packers are not even close to having the talent on the roster at the moment to be at that level, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I think that uh, I, I do think Preston is back. Like, I think that he is okay. in the rotation. And I think that that makes things a little bit easier because I think Preston is a good buddy for Rashawn. Preston had a great, especially second half of the season. Like he was just dominant coming off the edge. And but I do think that you need developmental guys, right? Because we know that Preston is a little bit older. And we also know what happens when you lose an edge rusher to an injury. And Rashawn, of course, we're expecting to have another jump this year because he's one more year removed from the ACL. But yeah, like edge is always something that is a premier position. And if to affect the quarterback, you need guys that can take advantage. And I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, like the 49ers, because if you look at their depth chart, they have multiple players. They don't just have like the two edge rushers, you know, like they have guys that can line up inside. We talked about like, you know, how Zadarius Smith used to line up inside. I think Preston can do that a little bit. Rashawn can certainly do that. 
it'd be interesting to see them do that more with LVN, but they definitely will need some flexibility, especially if you're looking at like a base four three potentially with Halfley. So I I definitely would not be surprised if Edge becomes one of those positions that they take at like 41. Um yeah. what about a grade? Or go ahead and finish I, with that. But- no, I was gonna say like see, I'm like really on the fence about Preston coming back. Really? I, I would love to look at the numbers a little bit more, but I I don't know. Some, Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if he did, I'd say, yeah, I totally see it. And if he didn't, I'd say, yeah, I, I totally see it. I, I don't know. It's something about um, where they're at in the makeup of the roster that I can see it going either way. Um Personally, I'd love to have him back. I agree with you. I think he had a really nice season. Um, He's just a very quietly dominant player that impacts the pocket and sets the edge, um, which is something that I think the rest of the line, he's the one player that has that skill set. I go for it. Well, I was going to say he and Devondre Campbell are both under contract until 2027. And I feel like Devondre is gone. And I think... I think I could see Preston honestly getting restructured to make, you know, a little bit more room. And I don't know, you know, I think he's like the Aaron Jones category, right? Where yes, the contract hit is not incredible for your cap space, but we did see the cap is going up. That was, Mm -hmm. you know, some news that came out today as well. But I think to your point, if you're looking at a team that had Rashawn Gary and LVN in year four, then maybe Preston Smith is a little bit more disposable. But because LVN, you're hoping, takes like a huge sophomore jump, I think you need Preston to have those snaps because if you're relying on young guys there, like, that's scary. I agree with you. No, I agree with you. It's just a matter of like, there. there's a lot, I think, that can be done in this room. And again, we just talked about it. Like, you know, you list the Colby Woodens and the Carl Brookses as defensive ends, but you saw them rush the passer this past season, right? Like, are they edge rushers to the pa- to the Packers? Are they defensive? I, you know, I don't know where they move them around. I think Carl Brooks maybe a little bit more to me is an edge rusher than he was a defensive end, but it's kind of neither here nor there. Like you need a third or fourth dominant pass rusher. And we talked, if you've been listening to the show for a while now, we've talked a lot about some of Rashawn's, you know, maybe his Achilles heel, if you will, which is that sometimes his lane integrity is not the best. And he finds himself behind the quarterback because he rushes too far back And then he's just kind of out of the play, you know, and that's great. He takes a lineman out, which leaves room open for somebody else. But then you need that somebody else, right? You need that Preston, you need that LVN, you need that fourth person, whomever it is. Um, And who knows, maybe Halfley, you know, he's been known to do some creative stuff. He's been known to do some like extra pressure man fronts. He's been known to send some, you know, DB blitzes, but like, that's not sustainable. Like you need to be always, you need to always be able to have, I think four or five guys who can rush the quarterback, whether that's at edge or defensive end. And I just don't, they need to fill that room with at least one more person. So you asked about grade. Um, I'm at a C plus B minus. I, I just, I, I don't, I know that you can't go off stats, but they didn't live up to my expectations 
in the 2023 season in terms of their ability to get the quarterback on the ground. And again, that's not the end all be all, but at the same time, when you're getting paid at the level that Preston and Rashawn are getting paid, I want to see more sack numbers. Like I want to see more quarterback hits and pressure grades to be higher than they did in 2023. Yeah. I, I think I might be a little bit higher. I was like B minus B, um, potentially leaning B just because I think, you know, the, the room is a talented one, but like you said, the expectations are there then. So you're hoping that LVN takes a jump in year two and that would push the arrow forward. Like, I think the arrow is still pointing up and we're talking about losing JJ Nagbari. Like it's some huge thing and it does suck because yeah. that is, you know, a rotational piece, but it's not like losing Rashawn, you know? So, I mean, yeah, yeah, you yeah. lost your fourth edge rusher. So drafting someone you're hoping I think can make a similar impact even as a rookie so yeah yeah. maybe maybe my grade is more of where I graded them in 2023 versus where I grade them in the future is that That I'm probably more of with you and that I know that they can do better that's why I was like disappointed in 2023 is like I know that the talent on the roster is there to impact the game and that could be scheme right like Jeff could come in and and do more with the talent there um I think my expectations are high because the talent is there because I know that these players can do more than what we saw in 2023 I agree so let's then talk about the inside linebacker position kind of working our way back obviously we know that there's Devondre Campbell Quay Walker Isaiah McDuffie um of course, the other names that kind of rounded out the roster in 2023, Eric Wilson and Kristen Welch, both primarily special teamers. Eric Wilson, of course, having, you know, the big recovery in the divisional round. Um, but thoughts on that position group. I mentioned it already. I don't think Devondre is back. So theoretically, that would leave you Quay, Isaiah, and then whoever else is available in that room. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think Devondre is back, which is really unfortunate. Um. This is an interesting one because I think this is a continuation of a conversation you and, I, you and I have had for a little while now about this position group um, in just that the Packers have really tried. You know, I think there's like been an investment in inside linebacker. You know, they paid Devon Jerry after his all pro season. They drafted Quay Walker in the first round. You know, they went in on this idea that super freaky athletic inside linebackers is where the league is moving to and where they need to move to, right? We've seen it. I don't think I need to go over the tandems that we're all thinking in our head across the league that like totally wreck games, right? Um, It just hasn't hit, unfortunately. Um, And I think Isaiah McDuffie is a really great rotational piece. And we saw them use him a little bit in that way at the end of the season. And I'm sure Jeff will continue to do that. To me, it's just a matter of like continuing to find that second guy now, right? They have Quay. I'm still really high on Quay. Um, I think he has so many of those intangibles and is definitely took that leap from his rookie season to his sophomore season, continue to take that leap into his third season. He's proven that he can continue to get better. Um, now it's just pairing him with somebody next to him it's just a big question mark of who and what route they go down 
to me, again, it's like it's a B minus right now simply because they just don't have that second person who's reliable. And it's so, so important because they're so vulnerable in the middle of the field right now. Yeah, I I think a B is generous. I was almost thinking like a C or a C minus just because if you take out Devondre Campbell, you have Quay and a question mark. And I thought Isaiah McDuffie played well, but that doesn't mean that I want him to be like my every down Mike linebacker either. You know, like I like him in certain looks and I'd be really curious to see kind of what that room looks like if potentially it's a position that they would target in free agency because the draft is such a swing for the fences with an inside linebacker. I know we talked with Dusty a couple weeks ago about Frankie Louvu being like one of the premier names, like, ascending still only 27 kind of looking for that big next contract like I think that might be the better route to take to pair someone with Quay who's still on a rookie deal um but yeah I mean Quay has a lot of things that you really like I think he would be a lot of fun on some blitz packages we've seen Jeff Halfley get creative with six-man pressures and I think Quay would be very good at that I still think that he's pretty good as you know a run defender in space don't necessarily love him as in pass pro at this point. And I think that's the compliment that you need to find is someone who can do that really effectively because, you know, if, if Jeff Halfley wants to run his middle of the field, closed style defense, you're going to need somebody really effective down there at linebacker and Quay possibly can do it, but we Mm -hmm. haven't seen enough of it to be confident that he's able to do that yet. Yep. I'm a hundred percent with you. I mean, he's got all the skills and yet you don't want him in coverage, which is fine. Right. And we, we, again, we've, we've talked about this a ton, which is that your, your Fred Warners and your Dre Greenlaws are so rare to find inside linebackers who can do it all in that way. And, you know, cover slot receivers. I mean, my God, they're a dime a dozen. I mean, sorry, not a dime a dozen. Like you cannot find guys like that. However, when you are choosing Quay to be, I guess, like your anchor, right? He's going to wear the dot. He's going to, you know, be your communicator, which is incredible. Again, like you found that. Now you need to say, okay, well, where are we plugging our holes in where it comes to this player's skill set? And you nailed it. Um, so makes it maybe a little bit easier, right, to go out and find a player to compliment him, right? You're not looking for someone who needs to be able to do everything, right? It needs to be a compliment. But at the same time, I don't know how much I love their options in free agency because I also feel like they might be pretty expensive and or they might be players who are staying with their teams, Mm -hmm. right? Like Frankie, Frankie Louvu is, is, I mean, I think at the top of everybody's list, which means you might have to pay them. Yeah. Right. And at the same time, I mean, you're thinking, okay, Levante David, he had maybe not his best season in 2023. So maybe his payday is lower, but he's still Levante David. And he's 34. Like, <laughs> Right. And he's 34. And the chances he think he stays in Tampa is pretty high. Patrick Queen is next there. He's staying in Baltimore. Like that's pretty much a given in my book. Um, then you're looking at Jordan Brooks. You don't want Bobby, Bobby Wagner's a hundred years old, (laughs) you know, and then you're getting into guys who are Devin white again, older and going to warrant a bigger payday. 
And then you're getting into guys who are who are probably more in the depth category and not someone who you who I know I don't know if I necessarily want to um be starting. Although Jordan Hicks is a free agent. Interesting. That is interesting. A little bullshit <laughs> in my head. Okay. We're, this is a conversation for another day because um, I'm sure we'll do a free agency conversation. But I think point being is that major glaring hole here in this defense is that second inside linebacker spot. It's too important to the game. And I think when you look at the Packers defense as a whole, you know, top to bottom, and we'll finish with the, the back end now, is – some really great players, quite included, quite included, incredibly athletically gifted and moldable, but there are some very obvious holes. And this is, this is one of them, which is why I think we both feel like it gets a little bit of a negative grade. Well, I think the NFL is like such an interesting case study too, because when the Packers were looking for Devondre Campbell, we had talked about how the evolution of having two inside linebackers was so significant and they found Devondre and he had his all pro season, but he didn't have a running mate that we could like reliably count on. Then we had a glimpse at him and Quay and we were like, Hey, there's a lot of potential here. And now we're starting to unfortunately see the Devondre fall off. And we're like, okay, now Quay needs a running back because two inside linebackers is almost a base defense in the NFL at this point. Like, that is just what it looks like. And you see, you know, the Buccaneers a couple of years ago when they won their Super Bowl with Devin White and Levante David at the echelon of inside linebacker play. You just saw, of course, the 49ers with Greenlaw and Fred Warner get there, didn't win. But two inside linebackers now is like the base of a defense and yeah. can make or break, I think, your entire defensive performance. So, yeah, I I think there's a lot of room to improve that area. So segueing now into safeties, this one I think is potentially the most interesting position available for the Packers this off season. Okay. Well, this is easily the lowest grade because um, they have no one, I guess is the answer, right? I mean, they, Right now, technically, it's Jonathan Owens, Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, Anthony Johnson Jr., and then Tyler Coyle and Zane Anderson, who are special teamers. Really, at this point, the person who you – the only one that you expect to be back on the roster next season is Anthony Johnson Jr. because he was a draft pick last season. That's it. This is a position that is going to be, hopefully, completely remade this offseason. You're going into this offseason with a singular player because um, the Packers did not choose to. I don't know. There was a, there was some kind of financial option with Darnell Savage's contract that happened this week that the Packers opted to not do. Um, therefore, it doesn't mean anything. Darnell can still be back on the team, um, but they chose not to do it. Um, and they would have to obviously re-sign Jonathan Owens and or Rudy Ford. Um, if they did, it would be on probably like low one-year deals. This is a failing roster. Like this is a failing safety room. This is the weak point of this team right now. Um, 
they need to draft somebody. They need to bring someone in free agents. Like they need to completely remake this room. I don't know what else there is to say about it. Um, I'm sorry that that is not super in-depth analysis. I think there is <laughs> nothing else to say here, um, especially with Jeff coming in and wanting to run the type of defensive style that he wants to run um, the cover one. Like it's just, it's time for an overhaul um, especially to me with the strength of the cornerback position, it almost diminishes what the Packers are able to do on the boundary when you cannot trust your last line of defense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I think the unfortunate part that the, you know, the Packers are going to be looking at now is the fact that this isn't necessarily a super strong safety class, you know, so there's like a, a limited commodity of guys that I think would be day one starters. Um, and the free agent class is either expensive or, you know, you look at like Antoine Winfield Jr., probably franchise tag, Kyle Duggar, probably franchise tag. So there's certainly names to like. Geno Stone is really interesting, but he just had a breakout year with Baltimore probably a player that they're going to look at re-signing. I think Cameron Curl is really interesting with Washington, but again, a lot of these guys are also unproven and it'll depend how Halfley wants to deploy them. I kind of think Darnell Savage comes back at this point. I don't know if that's the right move, but I do see it being something that the Packers do or, you know, maybe one of Darnell Savage or Rudy Ford, because I just don't think there's any way that the Packers will start next season with Anthony Johnson Jr., and then a bunch of new people. I think that they're going to want somebody else that's been in the room for a while that brings experience to that locker room. Even if, you know, they go out and get a, a free agent that's also a vet. Maybe, I mean, you could throw Jonathan Owens in there too, but I think at least one of the three definitely comes back. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. And I, if I was going to lean one way, I'd probably want it to be Savage as well. Yeah. Mostly just given his like draft pedigree and his athletic ability. And I mean, why not just take another swing and see if another defensive coordinator can figure it out with him? Like I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, who would be really interesting? Well, I, it's, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Jordan Fuller. When I think of like a cover one, like deep safety, He's probably one of those guys that I think would be really interesting. But again, these are all players that are having more kind of breakout years or better years with their teams and shouldn't break the bank. Banks are probably, you know, players that are going to be resigned about their teams. But again, that's a conversation for another day. I just, yeah, the, if you have to think about the weaknesses on honestly, probably the roster in general, they are inside linebacker. And safety, with safety being, of course, like the biggest neon sign that is flashing where the Packers need some help. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Last one. Your favorite. Take it away. My favorite. Um, well, it, it's actually not as straightforward, I guess, as we would think, right? But um, there's Jair. <laughs> <laughs> who is not getting traded. So we can put that to bed. Um, then naturally there's uh, Carrington Valentine on the other boundary. Um, Eric Stokes, who 
unclear what's going to happen as he battled the injury pretty much all season again. Right. Um, and then again, similar with Keyshawn Nixon's contract as Darnell Savage's, whatever thing they could have done. And I apologize. I don't know the exact terminology. They could have picked something up with him. They didn't, but that also doesn't mean they can't resend him. Um, I'm in the camp where I think that they're going to bring Keyshawn back, even if it's simply for special teams. Like he was another, he was all pro again this season. Um, I still do think they need to find a slot corner. Um, and then there's Corey Valentine and then, um, you know, Zion Gilbert, whoever that is, probably just a practice squad guy. Um, this room is both strong and scares me at the same time. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but like one injury, right? Like one injury and all Which of a sudden- Which we saw. Right. <laughs> and we're left with, oh, you know, like, oh, we're, we're, we're back to, um, <laughs> um, yeah, we're we're one injury away from there being a problem. And I think you and I feel the same way of being in the camp where corner should always be a need that a team takes in every single offseason. Every yeah. single offseason. So if the Packers took a corner early in the draft, I'd be gung-ho. Um, if the Packers wanted to take a corner in free agency, I'd don't love it, but I'd be fine with it. Um but I definitely think that this is still a room that's on the stronger end of their defensive side of the ball, naturally given that they have any, any room that includes a Jair Alexander is always going to be like a B plus, you know, and they have young talent who's ascending. And I loved what Carrington Valentine brought to the team this past season. So B plus for me. Yeah. I mean, I think like, like you said, it's hard to discount a unit that has Jair Alexander. And on paper, if you're talking about all of these guys being healthy, you have Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Carrington Valentine. And if Keyshawn Nixon is like your fourth and you throw him in the slot occasionally, you're probably like, okay, like I can make that work. Like that's a pretty good starting four. But I don't look at any of those guys and say, I would love for them to be my nickel. Probably Jair, but you don't want somebody who's so good in press man to have to sink into the slot. Like you want him to be able to play and get physical on the boundary. So I think that's always a need. Like you said, even Corey Valentine, I thought played really well in, in certain looks. So the room that they have now, I think is solid, but yeah, it would, I think that they definitely need to go look at somebody in like this, the third round. And now I've assigned seven different positions, a third round pick. So obviously knowing they can only do so much, but Hell, Carrington Valentine was a seventh rounder, right? Like they're they're gonna find somebody and bring somebody in because we say you're one injury away. They were two injuries away, or they had two injuries last season. They lost Jair and Stokes. So definitely if you're looking at the depth there, I don't love it. But as far as like the guys that they probably will have in the five, pretty comfortable if they're healthy that they can make a lot happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is a place where you're you're going depth you're going future state yeah yeah for sure so i think like a b b plus maybe even like an a minus like jair kind of bumps you into the next level um assuming yeah. that he's going to be back healthy without the back and shoulder stuff nagging so 
what are your thoughts on like the overall defense? Cause last week we said like, Hey, we think this offense is probably like a B plus and how cool is it that the quarterback's like the highest grade of all of this. And the defense I think is a little bit more of a question mark because we keep talking about the talent that there is on paper and there's plenty, but they brought in a new defensive coordinator for a reason. Right. So now we have to see like what the next step is in the evolution of this new look defense. I think it's really hard to grade this defense right now, to be honest. Like, yeah. It's just hard to grade them when we don't know what they're going to run. It, it, you grade the talent on paper, which is, which is, has, has been high for years. Right. Um, you know, so their, their talent on paper is there, but their performance the last few seasons has been substandard, you know, sub expectation. So they're lower than the, the offense trajectory is on the upward swing. The defense for me is, I don't know, you know, I don't know. I'd like to be excited. Um, maybe a B. I was like, I mean, yeah, I think the, the challenge here is that we've said that the arrow is pointing up on the defensive side of the ball for like three years now, because it technically has been like, they are, a roster with players at premium spots that should be ascending. You're hoping now that a defensive coordinator puts them into that next category because we expect them to be there. But right now it's, you know, it's a prove it year for the defense. And until we see otherwise, we're unfortunately just left with what we've seen the previous years until we're able to actually make like a different assessment based on how they look this year. So yeah, we'll be back next week with a show that we don't know what we're going to talk about yet, but we'll <laughs> we'll figure it out. It'll be fun. Um, always enjoyable Greetings to go back. Teams. Oh, God. Yeah, it'll be a 10-minute show. <laughs> um, thank you, as always, to everyone that stuck around with us in the offseason. Um, we hope you enjoy everything that we're putting out. Looking forward to starting to do some combine shows, some draft shows here in the near future, because it's coming up sooner than we think. We're already towards the end of February, so... Find the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You can find the podcast everywhere you get your favorite podcasts in audio format. Please make sure you like and download those shows. It helps us out. And if you're here on YouTube, thank you so much for sticking around with us here as well. We appreciate the likes and the subscribes in the off season to keep the show going. We'll be back, like we said, next week, probably talking about the combine. The combine will be taken off next week. So plenty of things and sound bites to talk about but that's all the time we have for today so go pack go go pack go